Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to kick off the week by looking at Jupiter and Saturn, who are coming together through a sextile. Now, this is actually a really significant connection for Jupiter and Saturn, because their connections don't happen all the time, and this is their first connection since we had their great conjunction a couple of years ago. So we are going to today look at the archetypal, uh, the archetypal Jupiter and Saturn, and then we are going to talk about the great cycles of Jupiter and Saturn and how we measure them and where we are at in the current cycle and why this is significant as the first meeting point between the two planets since their conjunction in Aquarius. Uh, we're then going to talk a little bit about what makes this sextile interesting, uh, breaking down some of the features of the signs that they're in and the type of aspect that they share, give you some hints as to what you might notice, and then we'll end with just rapidly going through the house pairings, kind of like a horoscope, just giving you some keywords to work with uh, as a way of grounding the Jupiter-Saturn sextile into your own birth chart uh, based on your rising sign. So that is our agenda for today. I think it's a good way to start the week. But as always, before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share your comments in the comment section. It really helps the channel to grow. And it's really cool to see what you guys have to say. If you want to find a transcript of today's talk, you can find it on the website, nightlightastrology.com. So um, this is, I think, a really exciting moment. And it's kind of a slide under the or like fly under the radar type of transit that I think we could easily miss because we don't always think of sextiles as that big of a deal. But when it's a sextile between Jupiter and Saturn, it's not a normal sextile, which might pass in a couple of days if it were faster moving planets. So uh, let's take a look at this on the real time clock so that you can get a feel for it. <clears throat> so here you can see this is Monday, June 19th, and we are looking at Jupiter's con uh, Jupiter in Taurus, connecting with Saturn, who's now retrograde in the sign of Pisces. You can see the two are connecting through a sextile, and the sextile is, it's pretty brief. It's been building already, so if we want to see the total build of this, let's actually remove everything from the picture except for... Um, Let's move everything except for Jupiter and Saturn. This will make it really easy to see. So if we go back, we get about a three degree range for this transit. So if we look at it from that perspective, we're looking at, gosh, right around the beginning of June. This is June 4th when the two come into that three degree engagement range that ancient astrologers paid a lot of attention to. If we speed it up, they are coming again, Monday, June 19th, they come into their exact sextile, that's today. And then if we keep rolling it forward and get that three degree range of separation, then we're talking about, uh, tell about July 4th, that the two of them are still connected in that three degree range. Now, ancient astrologers would have paid attention to that three degree range in terms of the important moments of more concrete manifestations. But the two are witnessing each other from the whole sign sextile as long as Jupiter is in Taurus and as long as Saturn at the same time is in the sign of Pisces, which will take us all the way through next spring. Let's take a look. If we go month by month, you'll see that the two planets stay configured to one another the entire time. And if we go back just a little bit, they get really close to one another um, at, the beginning of the, at the beginning of the year. Uh, let me just go forward just so you can see through Jupiter stationing and then turning direct, they get to within about two degrees of one another in January of 2024. 
And then if we keep rolling them forward, they're staying configured to one another all the way up until Jupiter leaves Taurus in May of 2023, at which point then they enter a square. So the dynamic will shift and, and we will talk about that, you know, when we get there, but for the next year, they're configured by sextile. So we have a very important connection between now and early July that's been building since early June, got about a full month of their degree based connection. And then we have them connected by whole sign all the way till until May of 2024. So um, before we say a whole lot more about this, I want to start by just talking about the archetypal Jupiter and Saturn and what can you expect from these two planets when they get together. The great cycles of Jupiter and Saturn were um, very important to ancient astrologers as they were part of their system of mundane astrology that was really concerned with developments in what you and I may now call the collective. So you know, when we think about what's Pluto in Aquarius going to do for the collective over the next 20 plus years, we're thinking of mundane astrology. Um, and mundane astrology can have a personal and collective dimension now more than ever. Uh, that's the way we tend to look at mundane transits like well, Pluto in Aquarius. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for all of us? Right? So a lot of what my YouTube channel consists of is the exploration of mundane astrology applied both personally and collectively. We're talking about, you know, big transits that sort of everyone is experiencing and the sort of collective archetypal weather that's in the air, but also how is it affecting us personally? I tend, I guess on this channel, probably I tend to be a, a lot more um, personal than collective. We look at the collective stuff sometimes. Um, but yeah, so the archetypal combination of Jupiter and Saturn for ancient astrologers was really important because it was a way of measuring tremendous changes happening in the collective for a um, for a civilization or a kingdom or a ruling class or whatever, um, which might include looking at things like agriculture or, you know, uh, uh, warfare or the, the ruling class and important births and deaths in the ruling families and stuff like that. And of course, nowadays, we can look at it in a much more democratic way. Uh, where mundane astrology can be looked at in terms of the zeitgeist and the the changes happening that we all see in the news and that we all experience in you know the development of something like AI or or, or whatever with uh, Pluto moving into an air sign everyone's been talking about that so but long ago before we had outer planets that moved very very slowly which have become the um, main planets that are used to talk about mundane um, collective developments in modern astrology, there was things like Jupiter and Saturn cycles. And we'll talk more about their, the cycles of Jupiter and Saturn in a minute, but their archetypal combination is really interesting. If you think about them mythologically, it can really help distill the essence of the cycle. So you have Jupiter and Saturn as a father-son duo that have a relationship to an old order and a new way of uh, living or a new order. Saturn represents the golden age and a time that was very fruitful and beautiful, but also represents a kind of tyrannical inability to let go and let the, the youth, you know, uh, bring something new about, as is evidence in the story between Kronos and Zeus. And Kronos becomes this sort of, uh, this, this clutching, possessive, tyrannical, um, oppressive or suppressive father figure. Uh, and has a lot of sort of patriarchal connotations. Uh, Zeus comes in as the, the sort of youthful um, 
new new um, leader and overthrows the old order, uh, especially at the time when it needs to be something needs to transform and there's an inability or a reluctance to let go of of power to let the younger generation come up. Now this is archetypal. <clears throat> this is true with you know um, mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and parents and kids in general, as well as institutions and uh, traditions in our world. That the that the thing that is good and healthy eventually becomes kind of crusty and sometimes has a hard time letting go in order to make way for something new. And it's not only a part of our experience socially, but it's actually something that we observe in nature as well. We have decay that creeps in the the youthful vibrancy that I look outside and see, you know, I can see outside of my window right here. I, you know, I live in Minnesota. I guarantee you, you know, six months from now, uh, you know, what will be happening? The, the leaves will be falling off the trees or have fallen off the trees and winter will be setting in. Right? So then as winter takes hold, uh, everything becomes kind of crusty, you know, and then eventually and icy and cold. And then eventually winter gives way to spring. And not surprisingly, Saturn was associated with winter and Jupiter with spring. But also Saturn is associated with the, the not just the crusty old stuff that won't let go, but also the, the wisdom of things that are old and um, sort of time tested. So if you think about things that have stood the test of time and shown that they are reliable and um, trustworthy, whether that's a tradition or um, like a, the offerings that you have as a business that have stood the test of time, the products that you offer that people just love and come back for, you know, it's like Saturn also represents things that have stood the test of time and show enduring value. The things that we have committed to over time that have developed into something truly beautiful because of consistent, mature, effort and devotion and uh, tending. Like a, a Saturn is also the process that leads, you know, a, a bottle of wine over many years to become its, its perfect uh, flavor. So, and Jupiter, on the other hand, can be the arrogance of thinking that everything new is always better than everything old. There's a problem of, we've said this before on my channel, when we worship at the altar of the future, or we worship at the altar of the past with a kind of extreme or like a, a zealousness that condemns or polarizes itself with the other. All the good stuff exists back there. Um, you know, let's, you know, like the people who enjoy traditional astrology will sometimes take this attitude that every, all the good astrology existed 2000 years ago. All this modern stuff is crap, you know? And then sometimes you'll have modern astrologers who will say, why can't we evolve beyond the past and all of its ignorance? It's 2,000 years old. Or aren't we beyond all of that? And so we can throw out the past in favor of always being progressive and new. Right. So this is Jupiter and Saturn having a dialogue. Jupiter is, in a way, associated with things like the puer, which is... Um, the spirit of eternal youth, where Saturn can be the Senex, the spirit of age and or, or old age and um, time, sort of time-tested maturity. Saturn will clip Jupiter's wings and say, you know, don't fly too high, don't do anything new. And Jupiter will sometimes uh, 
say to Saturn, I'm not going to look before I leap or, you know, or Saturn or Jupiter will fly too close to the sun and its wings will burn off. So the two planets are always checking each other. One with a kind of gristled, um, wise realism, the other with the spirit of youthful enthusiasm. And the two planets, when they work together, especially are producing of um, wisdom that is both grounded and, and mature and um, well-defined and structured, but also um, flexible, useful, aspirational, imaginative, and romantic. Um, there should be a feeling of moisture and wetness and growth uh, in the air, like a spring or summer day. It's not too hot and dry, you know. That's Jupiter, every planet of abundance and fertility. On the other hand, um, we need to always keep in touch with, like all of my, I do a daily Taoist meditation, my wife and I do in the morning. And one of the things that you'll hear time and again is like, when you're in the midst of that summer day, carry with you in your pocket, like a little, a little, um, you know, almost like a, a little uh, rock that reminds you of winter. You know, like carry, don't forget the opposite in the presence of what you're doing that you're getting so absorbed in, uh, because that allows for us to see um, opposites in and through one another. Um, and by doing that, then we start to live in harmony with the different facets of nature, of our own being. And we find that our way through every situation is a little bit more intelligent spiritually. And this is sometimes said like you're following the Tao or you're, you're learning the way. So Jupiter and Saturn, when they come together, especially in conjunctions, great conjunctions will often signal the need to develop a new way of doing things that is rooted in respect and appreciation for the old or letting go of the old in favor of the new, but with a kind of maturity and realistic understanding of what is required to make something new last. So any way that you can think of positively fusing Jupiter and Saturn together uh, at the start of a cycle, uh, you can think of that as like a seeding moment that will bear fruit in time. So Jupiter and Saturn in their great cycles have, just like a moon cycle, have a way that the two planets tell a story and they weave that story from the beginning of the cycle to the end. So bringing this full circle to where we are right now with Jupiter and Saturn meeting in a sextile. The sextile is their first hello to one another since the conjunction, because they have been in a whole sign aversion to one another without aspect, without a line of sight. So they've been busy starting the process of what the, of, of what was planted at their great conjunction recently. And now they're starting to um, pull threads together. They're starting to work together in harmony to bring about the earliest stages of what was promised. That's why this is so exciting. And so archetypally, we think of them bringing a new way, a new form of wisdom, new systems and structures that are both wise and, and yet new. Um, and so if you can think of that archetypally as taking place in your life over a very long period of time, 20 years between every cycle, then you can start to uh, hone in on the key stages of their process and learn to see the story unfolding. It takes a little time because 
one of the ways that you usually are able to do this is by looking at what's happened, okay, at this time, and then how is what's happening right now a continuation of what was happening right then. For some people, that's hard work because you have to do some memory and some reflecting, and it can really help to journal in order to see the connections, which I highly recommend doing. Um, if you don't have a, a, a good memory, it can sort of jog your memory, so that's good. But anyway, let's, before we talk more about this cycle, let's just remind you of some key features of Jupiter and Saturn cycle. So the great cycles of Jupiter and Saturn. First of all, the cyclical conjunctions happen about every 20 years. Um, and so we've just had one recently, we'll talk about that. And then every 200 years, those great conjunctions move through the signs of the same triplicity or the same element. So right now we're in an airy trigon and we're just starting in an airy trigon that will last about 200 years with the great conjunction just recently happening in Aquarius. Interesting that Pluto's entering Aquarius just after that too. And that in 2025 in the summer, Uranus will also enter Gemini and then Uranus and Pluto will be in a trine in air signs. And all of that points to um, sort of like an, an a movement toward the element of air that's happening. Very interesting, especially consider some of the big develops, considering some of the big developments in technology that are happening. But anyway, uh, more on that another time. Every 800 years, the great conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn will then move through all four elements. And then every 2400 years, the great conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn will move through the entire zodiac and return to the same starting point. So you've got uh, like nesting dolls, 2400 below that is 800, below that is 200, below that is 20. So let's take a look at our latest cycle. I'm going to share my screen with you again and let's take a look at where they've been. So uh, here is Let's just draw them back to each other. So we had the, the two planets were co-present for a long time in Capricorn, though they didn't come together by degree. Uh, and so you can see this is throughout 2020, they're getting closer. And then if we take it for, you know, Saturn enters Aquarius and they, they're almost getting together and then they both retrograde. And then Saturn goes back into Capricorn, Jupiter's in Capricorn. The two, oh, now here they come together, right? This is November 2020. But then look what's going to happen. Saturn changes signs. And then shortly after that, Jupiter changes signs. So they actually met at that zero degree marker of Aquarius. This is also on the winter solstice of 2020. So we are, you know, two and a half years out from that moment, approximately. Or I guess it'll be... What am I thinking here? Two years in, yeah, so we're a little over two years in two and a half. I think I am right about that. So I'm doing math in my head. All right, so watch what happens now. If we take these two planets forward, December of 2020, they come together in Aquarius. Now, that's the beginning or the seeding of a cycle, and it points toward the development of some really um, new and exciting things happening uh, in Aquarius, followed, of course, uh, this year in 2023 by Pluto entering Aquarius. And their conjunction, you could look at the whole sign house of Aquarius in your birth chart. 
to look at the area of life in which this great cycle of Jupiter and Saturn is playing out, where in a sense, a new way, uh, new systems, new structures, new ideas, new thoughts, new paradigms are growing through the combination, the wise but exciting combination of Saturn and Jupiter. And then if we pull it forward a little bit in May of 2021, Jupiter goes into Pisces. Now, the two planets, when it enters Pisces, don't see each other. Now, here they are back in Aquarius a little bit toward the end of 2021. And then in the very beginning, let's go back just a little bit here. The very beginning of 2022, Jupiter's entered Pisces again. And now they're rolling along. And here they're like, they're configured a little bit in May of 2022 by whole sign sextile, but they're not going to come together by degree. And so we just kind of see, and then Jupiter retrogrades back into Pisces. And now here they're configured to in a sextile by sign, but not by degree. And then we get into March of 2023, and now they're in a version again, and Saturn is in Pisces and Jupiter is in Aries. Now this all shifts and the sextile comes back into play in late May of 2023 when Jupiter enters Taurus and Saturn is in Pisces. Now we finally get them coming together. And the, 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 the fact that they come together means that they are now kind of dancing through the next part of their cycle. It's been hinted at. We've had little periods where they were configured by whole sign sextile, but far apart by degree. Now they're configured by whole sign sextile uh, and by degree. And that makes uh, that that takes us into the first next big part of the cycle since the conjunction. So um, there are some features of this connection that make it really interesting. First is that Saturn is now in Jupiter's sign of Pisces and therefore has what we call reception with Jupiter, which means that because Saturn is in Jupiter's sign, it is acting and behaving according to the, the ways of Jupiter. It's like I'm a, a guest of pilgrimage in the temple of Jupiter, in the temple of the fish, and also the exaltation of Pisces. So I'm in the temple of Jupiter Pisces, double-bodied water sign. I'm a guest here, and I'm going to act and behave in a way that is conducive to the... Um, to the uh, archetypal nature of the sign that I'm in. So Saturn's behaving in a Pisces, Jupiter, Venus-like way. And because of that, wherever Jupiter is and whatever aspectual dynamic it has with Jupiter has to be paid attention to. And this is how we look at what's called reception. When the two come together in a degree-based aspect and Saturn is in Jupiter's sign, they, they thus, Jupiter, or excuse me, Saturn thus has reception with its host. It'd be like if I was at your house and all of a sudden you came home and you were there and suddenly now um, everything changes because the host of the house is there with me, the guest. Now, the other thing that's interesting is that they're in a sextile to one another. Sextiles for ancient astrologers were of the nature of Venus, which means that the two planets are harmonizing while also having reception. Another interesting feature of the of this connection is the fact that Pisces is the exaltation of Venus, whereas Taurus is the domicile of Venus. So not only are the two planets connecting, um, but you also have uh, two signs that that one of the things that they have in common is that they both temples are very Venusian. And so we're getting hints as to what this is about. This is about 
Saturn being in a Venus and Jupiter ruled water sign and doing those kinds of things while connecting positively and harmoniously with its host and both planets being in Venus ruled signs. Now, we add into this that there is a combination of earth and water at work. Earth and water. So let's, let's try to put this all together in order. When we look at the fact that Saturn is in a Jupiter-ruled sign, we think about Saturn starting to lend itself and its love of structure and order and discipline and maturity and regularity and consistency and perseverance, all things that are Saturnine. And we and all the best things really about Saturn. And we say that Saturn is willing to lend those qualities to uh, Jupiter's ambitions. And what is Jupiter trying to do? Well, in an earthy Venus sign, uh, it is trying to build and develop solid things that will last and endure. Things that contribute to joy, happiness, comfort, ease, harmony, flow, uh, and maybe even wealth or abundance on some level. Uh, Taurian things may contribute to the feeling of peaceful, easy, secure, simple, uh, luxurious, and so forth. And Saturn's basically saying, hey, I can contribute. How can I contribute? I can contribute in ways that are romantic, uh, being in a watery Venus, uh, a sign of Venus's exaltation. I can contribute in ways that are emotional, in ways that are faithful, in ways that are enduring, in ways that are mature, um, and in ways that are rooted in the hard emotional work that I've done to, to grow. Uh, and so you could see, for example, with the earth and water pairing, the Venus emphasis and the positive harmonizing of these two planets, the building and developing of things that are meant to enhance the joy, pleasure, relational depth and happiness of things in your life, whether that's at work or in your family or with friends or within yourself or your inner life, that there is something about these two planets working together that says we can make things more intelligent, more wise, happier, more beautiful, more stable, more luxurious, more emotionally intelligent and mature. Earth and water also point to the idea that things can be both um, practical and malleable, that we're reshaping and, and you know touching things up or making sort of ad adaptive changes that reflect a new kind of intelligence and a need for um, happier or more stable uh, experiences. And that we're essentially looking at two planets that are a little bit like the clay on the potter's wheel. It's like we can shape things into something really beautiful and useful at the same time. We can do so with a sense of sober, deep, emotional intelligence that's been born of old suffering and old work. Uh, but we can also um, mold things in a way that makes sure that, that things aren't just practical, or that don't just represent some kind of linear um, growth, but that they also represent an aesthetic transformation, a transformation of value, a transformation of pleasure, a transformation of our relationships. <clears throat> Now, to me, the combination of these two planets, again, is pretty positive, but we also should combine it with the fact that we had this airy conjunction. The airy conjunction, if we go back in time, let's go to December of 2020. Here we go. Oh, 2000, 2021. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I got it. It was, I'm sorry. It was the winter solstice. There we are. All right. So the, um, the airy com combination of their starting point points to new ideals in Aquarius. It's almost like architectural, ideological, platonic. It has a sense of being somewhat abstract and lofty and, um, like new paradigms and new ways of, um, new ways of doing things that are rooted in higher ideals or ideas, so new, new ways of using mind, new ways of conceptualizing life. So that's where it started. But isn't it interesting that where things are at now, we get this sense that of earth and water coming out of the conjunction in air. So the first positive harm, harmonizing development, it's kind of at this stage, it's almost like they're in their, uh, they're in, it's like an early waxing moon. The two of them are starting to build and develop things. Things are gestating. And the way in which they're gestating right now is very earthy. It's very embodied. It's very sensual. It's very feminine as opposed to the sort of abstract Aquarian um, idealizations. So there's some way, some early part of this cycle that's asking us to get our hands in the soil of our life and to feel and move things around and to be adaptive, adaptable. All right. Well, the last thing that I want to do is just remind you of some house keywords based on the uh, rising signs. And I'm going to do this pretty quickly. If you're in Aries rising, 12th and 2nd. Uh, for Saturn and Jupiter, the place of the unconscious, the blind spot, as well as the place of resources, money, developing things that um, uh, were things that we're developing or growing as resources. If you're a Taurus rising, this is first and eleventh. Self and community, or self development, and allies and social alignments. If you're a Gemini, it falls into the place of the unconscious, the blind spot, and the career house. If you are cancer, it goes into the place of religion, spirituality, higher knowledge, and groups and communities. If you're a Leo, you get the two in the 10th and the 8th, which is the place of career and the place of what is shared, owed, uh, or what we are, how we are bound and obligated to other people, both positively and negatively. If you're a Virgo, the place of beliefs, religion, spirituality, and the place of love and relationships. If you're a Libra, then the place of what is shared or owed, the way we are bound to one another positively or negatively, and the place of work, sacrifice, and service. The seventh and the fifth for Scorpios, the place of love and relationships, the place of joy, creativity, pleasure, also pregnancy and children. If you're a Sagittarius, the sixth and the fourth, home and family karma, as well as the place of uh, sacrifice and service and hard work. For Capricorns, the third and the fifth, the place of creativity, creative fulfillment, romance, pleasure, joy, pregnancy and children, as well as the place of the local environment, the everyday environment, siblings and the mind. We also, we take Aquarius rising, we get the second house of money, finances, resources, and maybe the things that you're cultivating as resources, as well as the place of home, family, property, and your living environment. And then for Pisces, we take it around to the first place of identity, body and health, and the place of environment and mind. So those are just, a, that's just a little crash course through the 12 houses um, based on your rising sign so that you can get a, a sense of 
where the harmonization in this early part of the Jupiter-Saturn cycle is taking place in your birth chart. I hope that this has been useful, kind of a refresh on the Jupiter-Saturn cycle, and um, that, that you're able to see and feel through these little exercises where things have been moving and where things are at now. The other piece to include would be to go back to that starting point in Aquarius. Where is Aquarius in your whole sign house? You can look at that and then look at these houses and see a, a narrative thread being developed as well. So that might be something to take some time with if you, uh, if you like doing that kind of journaling work. At any rate, we'll leave it there for today. This has been a fun one, and I would love to hear your comments, your thoughts, your reflections. If you have a story to tell based on the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction or connection that's happening right now, use the hashtag grab to tell us your story or email it to us, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. We look forward to seeing what you guys have to share, and we will see you again tomorrow. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.